Smash that shite button. R.I.P. Charles Grunter Mahan. What do any of those words mean? Find out by going back and listening to episode one of the official RACDG podcast. But this, this bad boy, is episode number two. Producer Mark, hit the tune. He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Would somebody kindly go and stop him? Give him a large brandy and pop him down. No, this, this really is beyond a joke now. He's, he, he's gone gaga because this is, uh, this is quite... I've never seen anything like it before and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness. Worst golf shot. No, answer the question. That's terrible. This could be good. Come in. This could be good. Looks better than it is, folks. Not bad. Hello there. Uh, welcome along. There was a very up-to-date cultural reference, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, 1994. This is the official RACDG podcast, this is episode 2 of That Bad Boy, my name is Gary and I'm going to be joined in a moment or so, as always, by the man with the schedule of a professional golfer and the golf game of a man with the schedule of a professional golfer without the income of a professional golfer, it's Crawford and the man with the name that sounds like a late 90s American TV magician, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, welcome along, Rob Cross. We're going to be talking about a bunch of things this week, loads to get through, including the shut, world handicap system, and we're going to be introducing a few new features like the Flock 5 and Big Grunt's Bad Take of the Week. What does any of that mean? Stay tuned and you'll find out in the next 45 minutes or so. But for now, for the second time, do sit back, relax, close your eyes, open your ears as I throw things across to me. Me, do your thing. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction once again, Gary. And yes, it is an absolute pleasure to be back. I could not be happier to be here. I've just spent an hour doing squats in the piss tank. I had some lovely sushi. And now I'm back here with you two wonderful gentlemen. First of all, Rob, how the hell are you doing? I'm good, Gary. Nice to see you uh, out of the piss tank. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. And Crawford, how the hell are you? I'm all right. I'm grumpy, Gary. I'm grumpy. We'll get into that. We'll get into that, I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, But before we get started, I'm going to pass you over to Rob in a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about the shut, the event that took place this past weekend. Before we get into that, a couple of very super quick notes from me. Um, I started a silly little raffle that's not really a raffle for charity. Raffle. Um, After seeing the uh, Marcus Rashford appeals over the past couple of weeks, serious topic, not too many jokes to be made here. Um, But I decided, first of all, my idea was we'll get uh, our man, Matt McDonald, who makes class head covers. We spoke about him last week, and we were going to ask him to stick in a voucher for a 50 quid, 60 quid head cover, raffle that off to the guys in the group, maybe make 100, 200 quid, something like that for a local food bank in my area, an area called East Kilbride, just south of Glasgow. Next thing I know, uh, guys in the chat, so you've, you're, there's 170 guys that are members of this this little club we've got, and... Um, they're messaging me saying, you know, I'll put up a round at my place, I'll put up a round at my place. You're talking clubs like Walton Heath Centurion, that sort of thing. Next thing we know, we've got 12 class prizes and uh, I put the raffle that's not a raffle live on Just Giving Today. And as of now, so it's been live for seven hours or something like that, um, I set the target audaciously 
at a thousand pounds and we're at something daft like a thousand and fifty pounds already in one day which is absolute insanity and um, the guys in the group do not go at things half faster and half measures so yeah that's looking incredible so far i'm still going to let that run for about two weeks time so if you do want to get involved uh, we'll put a link to it in the description for the podcast today but it's www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraisers forward slash racdg pop a tenner in there i'll pop you into this little raffle that's definitely not a raffle for um what's it called tax aid or whatever Given's definitely not an official raffle, but we're raising money for a food bank in East Kilbride. It's called Loaves and Fishies. They do absolutely brilliant work in the local community. They feed uh, over 140 families a week. They just can't afford to do that sort of thing themselves, uh, unfortunately. So that's been brilliant so far. That's got me in a buzzing mood. The other thing that's got me in a buzzing mood, and this just came in about in the last hour or so, it's an addendum to our chat last week uh, when we were speaking about dress codes and you may have been listening to us kind of bitching on about dress codes, thinking it's not really that much an issue. What are you guys going on about? It's This is just for content. This is just to sound like raging old men on a podcast that they're moaning about this. This is a genuine question from Gerard's Cross Golf Club. Where's Gerard's Cross Golf Club? Whereabouts is it? Back in them, sure. Just west of, northwest of London. West of London. Just north west of London. Near Crawford. <laughs> just, really really just near north Crawford. of the M40, west of the M25. <laughs> Sounds like a bit of a prickish area. Okay, so you, you, yes, very much. Gerald's yes. Cross Golf Club. This is an AGM. As soon as I read this out, you're going to know in your mind exactly what this guy looks like uh, that's written this question. So I'm just going to read the question for Bateman and just leave it there, okay? Is Gerald's Cross a golf club or a beach club? It seems to me that the younger generation can turn up in whatever they like. Coloured beach shorts and fancy printed T-shirts seem to be quite acceptable now. Anyone turning up dressed like this should not be admitted or served. I, for one, think it's terrible, and the drop in general standards, especially dress within the club in the last few years, is appalling. And it all started with the permission of wearing jeans. We're on a slippery slope. The board should now enforce a decent dress code before it's too late. I said it last week. I'm going to say it loud and proud right now. Smash that shite button. Get him out of here. I don't know, Gary. I, I I agree with them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, we should we should go back to the days when you had to wear plus fours, have a caddy, and the caddies weren't allowed in. Carry your bags around. Absolute it's nonsense. What, sort of, sort of, sort of, what I'm all about. Absolute nonsense. Anyway, that's all I want to get out. <laughs> that's that's literally all I've got to contribute to this podcast. It's funny because it, you 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 get like um like every now and again things happen and you kind of think like you, the the you know, industry is taking a few steps forward and, and, and you kind of feel proud to be in a, in an organization or, you know, an industry that's, um, that's becoming a bit more liberal and accepting of the changes in the world. And then, and then our left field, grumpy make grunt comes through and fucking. Who the fuck <laughs> plays golf in beach shorts? I've never seen <laughs> Well, I do actually. But... Turning, up, turning up in a pair of billabons. Yeah, you do. You do in case you get wet, don't you? Yeah, I did a stunning day on Gary. I wore beach shots and a t-shirt and I rolled the sleeves up. There we go. No one had ever played golf like that a Sunday before, but it was pissing rain and I had enough of all this bullshit. Give us your reason, Cad. Give us your
<clears throat> it's, it keeps you keeps you nice and cool when it, the weather's hot. Oh, he's just burned the edge. Hard luck. Tough luck, Boogie. First off on our list, Cad, have you cheered up a little bit yet? I'm still grumpy. He's still grumpy. So, it doesn't matter if you're grumpy, we're going to carry on anyway. And uh, we've only got 20 minutes for you to talk about the shot. So, the shot was last weekend. Can yes. you give us... I only got back last night, so it seems like yesterday. But I was I spent an extra day at Cleve with some of the boys on the way home. We'll get onto the president schedule later. <laughs> for now, can you give us and everyone that wasn't at the shot a little bit of a background to what the shot is, what the courses were, who was in the field, who was the favourite in the tote, and then we can move on to talking about what happened right, on right, day right. one, just, day just, one, just, just, day let's two. Do those, let's do those one at a time, for God's sake. I can't remember oh. all that. So, <laughs> first things first, the shot, for people that don't know, it's the only competition that is prescribed in uh, the constitution for every chapter to have to do. When I wrote the constitution a couple of years ago, I kind of wanted to come up with a, a competition that we all had to do at least at least once a year. Um, and I called it the shot because it wasn't the open um, and it amused me. And, uh, and now every chapter does one shot a year as their uh, competition to find the champion golfer of the year. Now we now have four majors, which you talked about last week. But the shot is the the major one. It's the one that, that that you know it's our it's our um, it's our British Open. Don't look at me like that. Um, and uh, and it's the important one. So we did it last year at Prince's and Royal Sinkports, um, which Michael won. Um, Michael won by a country mile. The rest of us were totally shit the entire two days. And Michael was that, was not was shit. that someone stag do? What's what someone Prince. stag do? Princes. No, it wasn't someone's stag do. Oh. <laughs> Rob, you're obsessed with stag do's to princes. So all you want to do now is go on a stag do. No, it bloody wasn't. And it was in Boxing Kent as well. Oh. Um, but, I, but, I, but I managed to suffer it for at least 48 hours. Um, but um, uh, and it was kind of fun. Anyway, that was last year. This year, the, the idea is that um, every year as the captaincy moves around, the captain chooses where he's going to do the shot. And it kind of does it somewhere local to whoever that person is. So uh, as we kind of move through the next, you know, five to 10 years, we'll, we'll all go to different venues around the country that we might not normally go to uh, because the shot is local to the captain. So I did mine last year in Southeast and Kent. This year, Grantley was supposed to take over. Or the new captain was supposed to take over at the, at the Mackenzie in April, and um, didn't happen because we didn't go there. And we decided to swap it to like a January to December um, uh, tenure for the captaincy. So I was still in charge, but we had decided before then to go and do this one in the southwest because Grantley lives in Bristol. So uh, we wanted to do Swanton and Royal North Devon. Um, we kind of went ahead and booked that in July. There were supposed to be 50 of us. We'd actually booked 56 places. There were 50 odd people that had agreed to come. And we ended up being 22 um, because of COVID. Lots of people couldn't make it. So Les in the Netherlands, um, Aaron in um, uh, Luxembourg, Luxembourg, Mark in Wait, Spain. We've got two members in Luxembourg. That's me. We do. We do. We have one in, Be- yeah, one in Belgium. We've now got two in Norway. So I've got another guy waiting to come in that I'm going to do later on today. Um, so Mark couldn't come from Spain again. He's still stuck there. Uh, all the guys in Ireland weren't able to make it. Luxem- so uh, Jamie was my uh, was my uh, my early pick, and then couldn't make it. <laughs> you don't even know where Luxembourg is, Gary. <laughs> oh, it was one of the towns that they make up for video games like Call of Duty, <laughs> but it's real. So it is, <laughs> and they live there. So yeah, yeah it's actually the, the headquarters of Amazon because it's full of tax um, dodges. Anyway. Um, 
Not that I'm calling Aaron a tax dodger, um, but he does live in Luxembourg. You, saw, you sort uh, of did. <laughs> sort of did. Uh, anyway, so yeah, lots of people couldn't make it. Most of the Scottish contingent decided not to break Nicola's curfew. Um, one of them did uh, come down anyway, um, and I won't tell you who because this is going to be in the public domain, but he made a very valiant effort to drive the whole way down for eight the hours. fucking maniac. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, Dr- everyone Dr- will know who it is. Maniac. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> the driver the beasting David Easton. I'm going to shout <laughs> that man out right now. Eight and a half hours down, eight and a half hours back over a three-day period. No, no, it wasn't three days to get. It was two days. He, he drove down on Sunday, eight and a half hours on Sunday. Got out of the car, played golf at Royal North Devon badly, I have to say. Uh, slept overnight, got up the next day, played golf at Sultan badly, I have to say, and then got back in the car and drove eight and a half hours back to Glasgow. So he drove. He drove what seventeen hours in the space of thirty-six hours, day and a half, to play two rounds of golf. Badly, I've got to say. Um, and um, uh, We talk yeah. a lot about golf perverts, right? He is a Harvey Weinstein in this group. He is the <laughs> biggest fucking golf pervert that's ever existed. That's outrageous. And he's done that three times this year. He's come down south three times. Yeah, he, did. So he came down for the Cock of the North, um, and then he came down for what we call Heathland Week. So around uh, the Kaluna, we did, uh, which was one day, 36 holes at Sunningdale. A bunch of us decided to just go a bit mad that week um, because we hadn't got to go to the Mackenzie in April um, and do like a week's worth of Lynx golf in Scotland. We decided to just do a week's worth of Heathland golf in Surrey and, uh, and David just came down and went bananas he came out on the Sunday left on the Friday or something and played like 36 holes a day for five days the mad bastard his girlfriend is either very understanding or hates him and it's probably the latter yeah I think that Davey has found that perfect balance of um being nice enough that your girlfriend stroke wife doesn't want to divorce you but annoying enough that she'd prefer you to fuck off most of the time Um, which is which is which is a balance that, that I've been amazing. trying to perfect for 15 years in my life. <laughs> Nothing but my <laughs> You're just busy battering your wife's car round about the shop. <laughs> the life of a tour pro. I know. <laughs> yeah, a shit tour pro that can't break 100 um, <clears throat> twice in a row on Sunday, Sunday and Monday. Anyway, so we get down to Royal North Devon. 20, 22 of us, uh, we went out. Royal North Devon is the oldest golf course in England, weirdly enough. Um, well, not weirdly enough, it just is. Uh, designed by old Tom Morris. It's one of those places that's a bit of a Marmite course. Lots of people really love it. Lots of people say that they really don't get it and don't like it. We all played there. I don't know what they're on. The people that don't like it is fucking awesome. It's like there's a bit of it. You know, you can, there's two holes out, like first and second, and then 17 and 18 come back to the clubhouse. And they're kind of on flat pieces of kind of, you know, just like grassy land. But the rest of it's like a, you know, up and down kind of, you know, hilly, kind of hillocky, perfect links course. Um, really open. You can get loads of space off the tee, which I always need because I can't hit a ball straight ever, um, as has been evidenced many, many times. Um, and I uh, didn't play much better on Sunday at Royal North Devon. But um, the weather was pretty good. It was really windy the whole two days we were there, which you kind of expect at the end of October. Um, and uh, we had uh, one big rain shower. Um, on the way through, uh, so I was out in the first group. Captain leads us off, and, and uh, went out with um, who's up playing with Sean and Jack. Uh, Sean Martin, who's a pretty new member, and Jack Michaels, who's been around a little bit longer. Was the first thing that Jack's kind of first event Jack has come to. Although he's played with a couple of people, a couple of members. He played with Jamie um, over at um, 
Beltray uh, before lockdown got crazy again. Um, so went out with them, and they went they went bananas. The two of them. So we're, I, first of all, first hole I lose a ball. Second hole I lose a ball. I'm playing shit. Didn't get any better. They both birdied the first hole. Jack birdies the second hole. Jack birdies the fourth hole. He's three under after four holes, and I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm, I'm about to witness something here. Forget about my shit golf. Let's just watch Jack. Watch Jack shoot a 65 around Royal North Devon. Didn't happen. He got shitter as the as the ground went on. But um, uh, handicap two, I think it's two. Yeah, something like that. So you know, he's a good golfer. You expect him to play well. Um, and um, and he was. It was his first involvement in an event and then one of the majors so he was going for the mega bonus or you know um, automatically ended for that and as usual he again he was two under at the turn he got to 13th tee he was one under uh it was all looking like it was going to happen there was a short the 13th is a short like a really short par five like a 420 yard par five um and um it just absolutely fell apart like it always does I got him on camera I got on his face and, and then it just, just it's like clockwork it's absolute clockwork because he got he started off fucking spicy and hot he was three huh? under through four holes he was flying I was convinced that today was going to be the day that the mega bonus was found it got to 13 to be honest Crawford if I had a prick like you in my face with a camera every time <laughs> I wanted to get a golf shot then I'd probably crumble as well so I can see where the boy's coming from but it was a valiant effort. I totally agree with you, Gary, but that's part of the mega bonus. You have to have a prick like me in your face and survive it. So day so day one was at North Devon. Where was day two at? Uh, well, I get on to that a second. A special mention has to be made here for Gav Irons. So uh, Gav's like plays off 18, 19, um, has, um, you know, a game that is um, includes the big right miss off the tee quite frequently. But he went out in the final group on uh, Royal North Devon First hole, he hits the green in two, has a 30-foot putt, and he fucking drops it. And what he hadn't realized was that it was a par five. So he hits an eagle on his first hole. He's never had an eagle in his life. So the first time he ever has an eagle is at Royal North Devon, the country's oldest golf course. Um, And uh, he has it on the first day of the shot, one of the biggest competitions that we have. And then having eagled the first hole, on the sixth hole, he hits his tee shot and he hits a fucking pedestrian in the chest. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I, I, knew say, that, I thought you were going to say he hits a pin and gets another eagle. <laughs> it's a human. There was a guy walking up the path to the left-hand side and he hits it over to the left, hoping that his, like, his big right miss is going to bring it back to the fairway, goes straight as an arrow, bounces off the ground and wallops the guy in the chest. <laughs> no and way. he takes him out. This is five holes after his first eagle. <laughs> See, I knew this because he texted me privately, not even within the group, just texted me saying... I just got my first ever eagle, like a child bringing his <laughs> start homework back to his mum and dad. <laughs> Didn't tell me about leathering a human, though. <laughs> Did the guy well, that, that was That was probably a few hours later. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry. Things have went and gone bad, gone awry. Oh, uh, yeah. So that was. Um, Did he ground uh, him? The, no, the guy actually apparently was pretty cool about it. He came up and he said, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been walking on the golf course. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah, you know, fine. Uh, so that was day one. And um, Is it a two-day event, Cad? Is it, is it yeah, uh, a it is, round yeah. one, add round two? Yeah, uh, okay. it, is, it, has, it has become that. It's become a two-day cumulative Stableford event. 
and what's really nice is that you all kind of go in for dinner in the middle, like at the end of the day one, uh, together. And you, you've got your loot, you've got your winners and your leaders, and the people who are bringing up the rear. <coughs> Me, <coughs> sorry, I caught something in my throat there. Um, and uh, you know, and then you go out. Then we would go out in reverse order on day two. So the leaders went out last, and the losers went out first. You went out first. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who were the leaders? Um, uh, yes, the leaders uh, on day two were Jay Ford, uh, who's from Bristol, who's a friend of Granley's, Matthew Thomas Chan, who's from, um, but let's just say the North East, generically, somewhere up there, uh, John Stern, and of course, Ben Lovejoy. And in the second last group, it was Sean Martin, Chris Rogerston, John Arshad, our very own uh, Mr. Stato, and Chris uh, Madison. Uh, and then so Chris Rogerson, who plays off 17, hits the ball an absolute mile for a for a, I want to say that for 17 handicap it doesn't often mean anything hitting their miles, but uh, he had a pretty good day on day one, and then on day two he had a blinder. He was the only one that pretty much got within his handicap on day two because day two of Saunton was fucking carnage, absolute carnage. He was the only man in that field because we were obviously following along. Uh, with the leaderboards uh, on our little kind of private leaderboard that we had. And he was the only man in that full field that hit to the handicap stable for points in that entire day. Stableford, obviously, points-based system, two points for a par, net par, one point for a net bogey, three points for a net birdie. Uh, really easy, Crawford, I'm sure you'll agree. Really easy to rack up the points here. You're looking for about 36. Um, that's about 18 every nine holes or so. Um, pretty simple to do so you know you can rack up those numbers pretty quickly good round will get you in the 40s I've seen people in the 50s I've seen normal decent average golfers shoot high 40s and uh, the 50s so how many points uh, Crawford did you have in the back nine uh, when you were on the 16th tee um, on the 16th tee I um, I didn't have any points Gary. zero uh, zero, zero points zero, zero. points I had, I had not a single net net bogey in six holes. <laughs> um, it what was uh, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? What is going on in your head? Well, let, let's let, let's just first of all state that I went out in round two and I thought to myself, right, no fucking around here. I'm going to end up kind of mid table. I'm going to go on a charge. I'm going to have a steady afternoon. Going to hit my handicap. You and I, good. And I, yeah, I hit a good drive off the first. I, I, I was, I was, I was, you know, marching along first six holes. And some people use the phrase "the wheels came off." I prefer to use the phrase that the entire fucking car exploded and ejected. You were dead on the than Charles. <laughs> you were not on that thirteenth tee. You were six feet under Charles, who's already <laughs> six feet under. Yeah, I was struggling. I, I do you know how? You know sometimes how. You have a bad hole, and then you think it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just make it up now. And then you have another bad hole, and then you have another bad hole, and then you just lose your head. And then, having lost your head, you just start getting like fucked off for the whole thing. I almost broke my club. I threw my club at a bench and nearly broke it. On one occasion, I hit a ball up onto a green that rolled back toward me off the false front, and as it rolled down, I cricket like get a cricket <laughs> like as it was moving. Film. Yeah, as it was moving, I just did a covering drive and whacked it and missed Maddie McDonald by about six inches of the shins as he went flying past him. I just checked out of the entire thing. I was not not interested or engaged at that point. For someone um, that plays so much golf, you don't play a lot of golf. Like, what is what's going on? <laughs> I did, oh, no, too yeah, much golf. It was exactly too much. The, 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 yeah, the, I I can't I can't quite can't quite tell you 
enough just how windy it was at Saunton. I mean, Saunton's a difficult place anyway. It's a classic linksy course. There's lots of big dunes, lots of really heavy rough. So you have to hit fairways. You got to get up down by the green uh, in your second kind of a shot, your approach shots. You can't you can't be spraying it around. And when it's really windy just bogey in a hole is hard so if you're not getting it on like in play off the tee you're just you're not making any points and i just i went through a bunch of uh, i went through a period of just just hitting it right and the problem is once you you kind of go out on both courses and then come back to the clubhouse so once you get out around eight or nine then we were coming back into the winds everyone was struggling on the front nine and then they still had to turn around and then come back into it and it was just brutal so I kept like I I got the big ride miss going and I was three off the tee and then I just couldn't. What was the worst part? The most incredible part about your score was that it wasn't the worst score of the day. There were <laughs> some insanely high numbers out there. If Russ wasn't so old, he would have shot his own age over par. Can I, can I just also point out that I I shot I think 107 was my was my finishing score at Swanton, um, which yeah. But the thing is, right, the the way the way the system works is that it will only register a, like a, a gross triple. It will not register any numbers beyond that. And there were at least nine holes where I had like a six foot putt for a triple and just picked up because I couldn't get any points. And between us, there is no way in hell's oh earth that I was making God. that putt. So in reality, it was probably 120 that I shot. There was more seven, eights and nines on that scorecard than a good night at Strictly. It was wild. Yeah, but it was very good fun though. I'm, I'm kind of like you know, I, I. <laughs> Should we, we turn it a bit more positive though, Kaz? Come on. Kaz, yeah, but come they, on. but Let's turn it there positive. was. I think, but that's one of the things I like about this group is that, yeah, I was annoying the hell out of me, but actually, I think we all kind of enjoyed the grit of it. You know, like being out there in the wind and it being a bit crazy and and the carnage of the scores. I think we all kind of like that. Like we're not the kind of people that oh we get in a proper grump if we're not going around level par and complaining about you know, the grass not growing in the right direction. Like, we just get on with it and have a bit of fun. But, Cad, there was a competition happening and among all this, okay? So we're at the bottom of the leaderboard here. Let's talk the top of the leaderboard, right? So I'll set the scene for you and you can take it from there. Ben, who I've got saved in my phone is Ben Golf, but I'm pretty sure his second name is Lovejoy, okay? So Ben Golf was the first day leader. He was also the man I had money on in the tote. I was pocketing a cool £37 if he came home with a victory. So I was watching with bated breath. There was about four or five other names uh, round about him. A couple of guys round about that, minus two, minus one, level par, level going into the, the last day. What we got was a more thrilling, a more exciting, a more incredible conclusion than we could possibly have ever dreamed of. Talk us the fuck well, through it. Well, first of all, let's just say that, because the shot was on Sunday and Monday, and the reason why is that we tend to not play resort courses. We tend to want to go and play like really good courses, which are all private, and they won't let you play on a Saturday morning. So if you want to go play Celtic Manor, you can book a group, big group to go play on a Saturday and Sunday, but not if you're playing places like Saunton or North Devon. So it was a Sunday and a Monday, which meant that a bunch of us went down on the Saturday and played Saunton West, the other course of Saunton, on Saturday. And we had a little a little great a little game, which we called the Amram, um, and Ben won that. He won the Amram. I actually drew with him um, and uh, tied with him, although he beat me on countback. So it's quite extraordinary that I went from being first to being absolutely last in 24 hours, although not unheard of for me. Um, but uh, so Ben won the Amram, and then he went out on day one, and he was in the lead on day one with some really steady golf from Will North Devon. 
Uh, and then the big question everyone had was, you know, was he going to be able to hang on to it on Saunton, which is always going to be a more difficult test, uh, particularly with the win. Uh, and of course, being a 16 handicap, we all know that that people of the 16 handicap <coughs> may <coughs> can uh, can totally implode on a difficult golf course. Uh, but we all the way through, we kept seeing him just hanging on and hanging on. Chris Rogerston kind of came at him, ended up in the lead for a bit. For a while, Chris Madison was also in the lead. He plays off five. He's a pretty handy golfer, but then he had a couple of doubles around the turn and that kind of threw him back. Um, and then whenever I finished, I walked off 18 and Ben was pretty much in the lead by one and Chris was one behind him. So, Clem and I decided to walk down, back down the course and then meet them coming back up and then video them as much as we could coming in down the last. Uh, so Clem went off with Chris and Chris, I think, got a point on the 18th. So I was standing with Ben on the 18th tee and um, the other guys who were with him knew he was in the lead and he kind of asked John what the score was and he said, you've got two. Um, so, you know, you only need to score a point on this hole to win. Six uh, to win it. A six, a double a six bogey up the last to win it. It's no not, prizes and guesses what happened. Not an easy hole, though. It's a, it's into the wind. You've got to hit a big tee shot and then a big second into the green. He hit a great tee shot down there. All those kind of nerves were, were kind of set aside. And then second shot, he fans it out to the right. And there is absolutely no way in hell's earth he would ever have found that shot if it hadn't been for the fact that a bunch of the flockers walked down the fairway and were, watch, were spectating, watching him come in. And the ball landed right beside Davey, so he was able to tell him where it was. So then he took a drop, and he said to me afterwards that it was the first time he noticed that he was beginning to get nervous. His hands were shaking, and he couldn't feel his hands whenever he was taking that shot into the green. So he, all he was thinking is, don't fluff it, just get it up. There's loads of space. Get it up towards the green, get it up. And he drops it about six foot short, takes a putt up there, doesn't quite make it, has about 10 feet, and it just trickles by. So he ends up globbing the 18th. It's all square. It's a tie between Chris and Ben on 18. And everyone's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I, I can't stand countback I think countback's a really mealy-mouthed way of deciding something it's supposed to be a game that's played over 18 holes and whether you play well in the front and then you hang on on the back or yep. you don't do so well in the front and then you smash it on the back it's your points overall that count that shouldn't matter that the person who was playing well in the back nine should win so I don't like countback I said to the boys do you want to do we were going to go out and do like 100, 100 yards in to the 18th and then we noticed the first hole in the west was open and the boys said yeah fuck it let's play one hole on uh, on the west co- west course and uh, we tried to video it as much as we could some of the guys are talking about like can you get this on instagram that's a really good idea but i didn't know how to do that and i didn't have time to figure out how to do that you are so literally thought, a film producer you produce film I do, Gary, and I have people that get paid to do Instagram shit for me. I don't do it myself. I have no idea about the technical internet. You can CGI a fucking shark into a draft, but you can't Instagram live. Play awful. Um, so, um, but that was like, like it was a great atmosphere because all of us just walked off down the first of them. All the boys started to go down and spectate and line the fairways to kind of tell them where balls are going. They both got okay ones off the tee. They both fanned it right on the first hole. We found both of their balls. They both had to take a drop. Chris then stick one out onto the left. Um, it was, I mean, let's be honest about it. It was the worst fucking playoff hole that's ever been played in the history of golf. It was so anticlimactic. <laughs> it was almost climactic. Was it dark? You fucking it played like dark. it was. It was much darker than the cameras made it appear, that's for sure. Oh, you sound like you're on the telly. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But what was funny, we ended up, so Chris had, uh, he had to kind of climb up above a sand dune and take a, a, a big lob into the wire to try and do it. And, and in the end, um, Ben ben prevailed. Chris conceded the putt and, uh, and ben, ben won. And I want um, to give a shout uh, out to my man, Ben. Ben is a wonderful, wonderful human being. Not only for winning that competition and putting thirty-seven pounds and eighteen pence into my very hefty pockets, but just in general, there's nobody I would rather have seen take that than Ben, Gentle Ben, Uncle Ben. Might have died at the start of Spider-Man, but my spider sense was tingling all day Monday for him, and he will live long in my heart <laughs> uh, for as long as the shut is a thing. So Ben, this whole episode is dedicated to the new champion golfer of the RACDG, Ben Golf. Ben Golf, Ben Golf, uh, yeah, <laughs> Bravo. definitely a very, definitely a very popular winner. And um, and like he was telling me afterwards that he's not a big fan of competitive golf. Like he has some friends that are really competitive, and they don't, he just they annoy him, and he he always plays badly because kind of gets his own. He, he calls himself a mental midget, um, and uh, so he said that for him within a, a year of joining the group to be able to get into that position and to hold his shit together was a massive thing for him. He said like, he's never, never experienced that before. You're a giant, Ben. You're a fucking giant. Um, and now he's like, you know, now he's the, the champion golf of the year with the, uh, the Charles Memorial Cup. What a story. To, to have in his possession for a year. What a, what a story. Charles did not die in vain. What a story. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Irons on 16. Oh, wait, right. Might be OB, mate. Gary, tell me about the new world handicap system in <laughs> less than five words. What a mad wee thing. The world handicap system's coming in. And do you know what, Rob? I've went away. I've done my homework. I've taken this on my shoulders on behalf of the entire group. And uh, what's going to happen in a minute is Mark's going to play a lovely little jingle and then we're going to listen and find out all about the new World Handicap system. Hi everybody, Gary here. Now, Halloween might be just around the corner. Ooh, I'm the ghost of Jordan Spieth's career. But there's one day that you don't need to be scared about, and that's November 1st, the introduction of the World Handicap System for all us jabronis here in England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales. Now, as we all know, golf is known worldwide as a real embracer and leader in change. And the World Handicap System is just another example of golf being at the forefront of change and progression in the world of sport. Why a World Handicap System, I may hear you cry. Well, first of all, you can take that handicap anywhere in the world. You can take it to the USA, where where they, they allow gimmies and like 
bounce rounds and nine holes towards a handicap. But you can you can take it you can take it all the way over there. No more handicap sandbaggers at your local club. No more twenty two handicappers coming in with fifty four Stableford points on a Saturday morning of it. This world handicap system will do away with the doldrums of point one up and point one down and reflect your true playing handicap every round on every course. Well How does it all work, I hear you say, and I'm glad you asked that question. It just couldn't be easier. It couldn't. There's no point in me even telling you because it's so easy, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The World Handicap System takes the average score of your best eight scores of your last 20 logged rounds. Instead of these logged rounds having to be logged into the system of your home course before you play on any given competition, you can call that round before it starts anywhere and hand a card in. Now that handicap score is based on the course slope it's based on the slope rating of the course multiplied by the course rating times point times ninety five so you get ninety five percent of your handicap multiplied by the course rating and the slope rating and from there you get a so there's a there's a hand so you get a certain amount of shots in each course, but that's not your handicap. So your handicap is your handicap on the system, but and then you go to Claire, Claire, go and put put the emergency chicken on the fat. Put the emergency chicken in the air fryer. The, put the emergency chicken in the air fryer. It's under the Vianetta in the freezer. The mint one. The mint one. Yeah, can you can you text my mum and tell her Zoom Sharads? Zoom Sharads is off. I'm going to be here for a wee while. Zoom Sharads. Okay. <sighs> Fuck. Um. Just put your put your um number. Put your CCN number, whatever, into the into the website, and it'll tell you what your handicap is, and then just ask the pro whenever you get to a course. Um, it's easy, isn't it? Easy. <sighs> thanks, thanks very much, Gary. That's very informative of you there. I appreciate that. I no, I know what I'm doing. Had no clue before. It's just it's all about clearing these things up. But but for for serious, the world handicap system's coming in next week. Have you got any thoughts on it? Do you know what's happening? Has your handicap been affected? Like, what the fuck's going on? I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, mine's been affected. But I think what's happening? Everyone, every well, it's come down. But it's. I think the confusion is people don't understand what the index is. It's not your actual playing handicap. So every time you go and chain, go and play somewhere else, your handicap is off a chart. So you just look at a chart. My handicap index is this. This is my playing handicap on the day. But people don't like change. So it's. I think it's going to be good, actually. I think that's the single biggest issue, is having to get used to the idea that, that you have a different handicap depending yeah. on what course you get to. Which I think is a good thing because I mean, how often do you go to you, you get a team from one club playing a team from another club, and they get their asses handed to them because 
the the other club is just much harder. So their golf, their handicaps don't really match. At least now there's, a, there's an effort to kind of make them match a little bit. So I think it's a good thing. The problem is just now is everybody wants every question answered. It's going to take right it's going to it's going to take some time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You need to just chill out, let it bed in. Nothing's going to happen overnight. You're not getting quizzed on it. There's not an exam. Just relax. Take your index to the next club. Find out what your handicap is on the day, on any given day, and enjoy your golf. Very yeah. zen. That's it. I think and as well, pe- pe- people don't know how it's going to affect them. So they don't know if you finish a comp and you don't hit your handicap or you don't hit buffer, you go up 0.1. And that's kind of, people know what's going to happen. But if you don't hit your buffer, there's no buffer now. And with your round, if you shoot 10 over, if that becomes your you know, 20th round is your best round and it drops off, what's going to happen? You could go up one or two shots. You could go down one or two shots. But give it 12 months. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be a fantastic thing for the game of golf. All joking aside, I'm looking forward to it. I've just came down from 5.1 to 2.7. I've maybe broke 83 times this year, so that's going to be a fucking riot. But I'm embracing the riot. I'm embracing the riot wholeheartedly. Smash that shite button. The next thing we're going to move on to, um, this is going to be the first of an ongoing feature, hopefully, and in following weeks, we're going to have guys from the flock on to do this. Um, but the first couple we'll do, we'll do it with the three of us because we're already on this call here and it's less of a logistical nightmare. So this is called the Flock 5, and we're very quickly going to go through a member of the flock's top five courses with a very, very short, I'm talking one-sentence explanation as to why it's one of your top five ever courses. Give us a chance to get to know the flock a little bit more. Um, and we're starting with yourself. Rob, who's on Zoom here, is mega bonus putt man. Um, you're never going to let that die down, are you? Uh, so, Rob... <laughs> Imagine what it's going to be like if he actually wins it. Fuck it, being intolerable. Yeah, almost as intolerable as you, Crawford, mate. <laughs> Not when you handicap. Yeah. Oh God, I know. So, Roberto, number five. Where is it? What is it? It is uh, Cavendish Golf Club, which is in just outside yeah. Buxton in Derbyshire. One cent. Um, yeah. Played. Uh, played. I don't know if anyone else has played it, but I. I think Crawford. Have you played it? Uh, no, I've been there, but I haven't played it. It's um, I went there last year, and oh, sorry, one sentence. I'll just go. <laughs> I was going to say uh, that was a really long sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mackenzie links to Augusta. Very playable, enjoyable greens. You can't just you can't do five sentences in one fragmented <laughs> sentence and call it one <laughs> sentence. You can't just say buzzwords. Uh, number four, where is it? <laughs> Uh, it's Norfolk, Sheringham. Right, and do a real grown-up sentence. Okay. <laughs> links, really nice links course. It's not. A, it's not right. a cross- puzzle clue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, it's a really nice links course. <laughs> really nice links course. Uh, all I remember is the course is lovely. There's a train track running <laughs> alongside it, and we were there for 36 holes, and it was fantastic. I just remember it being lovely. Excellent. Number, number three, three. Number three. Woburn. Um, there's which one? There's, which one? There's We're three court. There's three courses at Woburn, um, but they're all brilliant golf courses. But for me, the Marquis is the is the one that I enjoy playing the most. Uh, the seventh hole is probably my favourite hole in golf, which is par five, split fairway, lots of trees. Okay. Yeah. You also you, you you live just around the corner from Woburn, which is also worth saying. Yeah, I mean, your local big track. 
it is the local big track and if i had enough money i'd join it tomorrow it's just unreal all three quarters are brilliant but the marquis is the one that's held the british masters open qualifying all that kind of stuff that isn't one sentence but um number two is Silith. so i grew up uh, about 30 minutes from Silith. it is one of the most amazing golf courses i've played uh, right, so big, I'll let big... this one go over one sentence because I've heard a lot of people talk about Silith and it's got almost mythical, um, yeah, mythical it is. words and everything like that surrounding it. I'm extremely naive. I've never heard of it before. So describe it to me. What like talk to me about it as if I'm an idiot. As if I'm an idiot. Talk to me about it as if I'm an idiot. <laughs> so it it is a little bit off the beaten track because it's it's on in the in Cumbria. It's in Cumbria. <laughs> So it's in the uh, on the northwest coast. Uh, Solway Firth looks out over towards Scotland, but it's really it's really undervalued and has been for many many years. Um, it's really cheap, although the price is going up. But it's it's a it's a fantastic links course, you know, hidden hidden greens, blind tee shots. Um, can't really say too much more than that, but I think it's well worth the trip. I think a lot of people uh, don't bother with it because it is sort of 45 minutes off the motorway and it's up towards Scotland. But um, there's a f- I played actually yeah, with... Yeah, like it's a bad thing. Some no, it, it's... Scotland. <laughs> it, it's really, really... It's just amazing. I, I walked around the whole course with a smile on my face, but I think I might be a little bit biased because I grew up there. Um, but I played with Chris, who is a Cumbrian and a flocker, and. Uh, he he loved it as well. Um, it was just it was just brilliant, and I, every every person I know that's played it loves it. Yeah, it's not it's not bias. It's your favourite course, definitely on the shortlist for a cock of the north at some point. I think at some point when we're when the Mackenzie is going to be like Dan, so for yeah. and there is no like event up in Scotland. We're probably going to do cock of the north at either Seat and Carew or um, Silith and Solway. So it's, so it it's like close to the Scottish border. Yeah, we all brilliant. want to play it. It is and brilliant. Number one must be pretty bloody good after that review. So give it yeah. to us. So me and Crawford played there a few years ago. Um, we got into a little bit of trouble in the nightclub, but it's the Brabazon. So <laughs> it's not. Do we Crawford. want to delve into that? Tale? It is not Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> I just desperately wanted to put that in there because I knew. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that incident. Let's just let's just get straight past that. Let's just get straight Moving past on. that. The real number one, I would imagine Crawford knows what the real number one is, but it is, of course, Royal Port Rush. Yeah. So that was Crawford that was might. that was actually the best day of golf I've ever had in my life. That was super. I don't think I've ever laughed as much in the golf course as we did that day. Mainly because the the caddies were hilarious, but um, they were fantastic. I mean, we, we was that was yours called? Was it Musky or something? Yours was called Musky and William. Yeah, it was something like that. So we the, we'll set the scene that. Uh, Crawford and I went to um, we went to Ireland must be about five years ago to play yeah, to, the, to watch the... the first Irish Open uh, when Rory sponsored it or Rory ran it and he missed the yeah. cut and As we went Royal to, County Dan. yeah and we we went there and we spent twelve hours like complete nutters walking around the course we got absolutely drenched but uh, we made well I made use of the um, hospitality uh, suite with about 15 pints of Heineken, but it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, But then the following day, we got to go and play uh, Royal Portrush, which, um, do you remember when we turned up? It was a bit, it was a bit 
of a letdown, really, wasn't it? Because it was sort of yeah, the, no the clubhouse was, was a shithole. It was it was sharp. That's right. The, the clubhouse was, was crap. Weird. The, the, yeah, the, the the restaurant was closed. Yeah, they couldn't give us any breakfast, or they or they kind of had to open the restaurant that, to do that for us. And and it kind of felt like no one was around. It was kind of a grey, miserable day. It was the end of May. It was one of those kind of grey May days in Northern Ireland and um, they paired us up with another two guys who were the most boring two people I've ever come across in my life and they and they had caddies as well so there were eight of us going out together and it was after a while their caddies realised that we were good crack and they were really dull so their caddies were hanging out with us and like betting with each other about who was going to drive at the farthest out of the two of us and totally ignoring their charges and it turned out afterwards that one of the guys was the ex-chairman of Goldman Sachs. And the other one was the CEO of UBS, like total, yeah. total high-end bankers. And they were fucking so dull. But um, for all our members... And they were the, shit. They, they were, were really terrible. shit as they well, weren't they? They took it really seriously they and they were terrible. terrible. <laughs> yeah. And you and I yeah. were just walloping the ball like way past them and like giggling about how far we were hitting it and like, like betting with the caddies. On one occasion, I hit the ball way out into the left. And... Um, I turned around to your caddy and said, Muskie, am I going to find that? And he takes a drag and a cigarette and goes, son, you could have wrapped that ball in bacon and a fucking dog couldn't find that ball. <laughs> <laughs> you think there's um, an American uh, banking podcast out at the moment and two of them <laughs> are sitting talking about the two pricks that they played Royal Port Rush with five years ago. <laughs> it could, it could, it Probably. could be true. It could be true. But I think, the thing is, when we when we turned up there, it was like I think I said to you, you know, don't let's not even worry about the score. Let's just go and play and have a bit of a laugh, and it was absolutely yeah. fantastic. But I think yeah. I did say to you at the time because it was wasn't it the week after the open, or they knew the open was going to be there. Yeah, no, they, they 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 they. I think they were just no about one, everyone kind of knew yeah. that it hadn't been officially done, but everyone yeah. there knew that it was about to be announced. They were getting it, so we haven't played the course with the two new holes. We played the old seventeen and eighteen. I think I said to you at the time it it was quite short, wasn't it? We did play it off the off the back tees, and it was quite. It did feel a bit. It did feel quite short. Um, yeah. The rough wasn't. It wasn't that brutal. I mean, it was brutal, but it wasn't as brutal as it was for the Open. But, yeah, but do you remember on one occasion because because up on, on the north coast of Northern Ireland, you just it's it's at the top of the Channel where like the RSC hits the Atlantic, and the weather around there is notoriously terrible. And um, yes. there's a couple of bits of the golf course where you can see the weather coming in off the west and we were kind of around the turning we come out they have a little bothy hut um that's how you can get a drink in the house at the 10th or something and we came out you could see the weather coming in and we got to that it's a par three i think i think it's now like the 13th or something it's like 165 yards down the hill remember, yeah. Remember, yeah the weather hit us and we're like we're underneath the umbrella and the weather just hitting us in the face and the caddy walks up to me and says hands me a club and says come on son you've got to hit the ball and i'm like <laughs> i literally the, the the green was 165 yards away and we couldn't see the flag and i'm like i can't even see the fucking green and he just goes it's that way it's port rush son you play in the rain had to take a swipe at it and then he's like found it but yeah and then like disappeared after a well, whole later it had gone and it dried up and it was it was nice again but yeah that was a, that was a great time that was a yeah, strong was... a very strong first flock five so any of the other flock fives coming on you've got plenty to live up to there and um, we've got some good tales out of that um next week crawford i think we're going to do you and talk your top five courses so that's uh, a homework quick... for you just a quick one. Is it have to be UK courses or GBNI courses? It can be random. It can be anywhere in the world, mate. Your favourite five courses that you've ever played. 
He can't. Because he's played so many. He can't narrow it down to five. I want to see how do many you, names he drops. So how many like do you top fifty? Top fifty. Am I allowed to t- tell you how I got onto it and who I played with? Absolutely oh not. God. I'm going to be really strict about the one sentence rule you Crawford. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Gary, I am the master of of the fourteen line sentence. <laughs> one sentence. I feel I feel like I'm doing a fucking fourteen year sentence talking to you sometimes. Mate. I uh, I've always wanted a ball pyramid. We'll move on very quickly to our next new feature, and this is possibly my favourite new feature. Um, bit of background: it's a fella in our golf club, our society. He goes by the name of Grant. I've got a lot of time for Grant. I've played a lot of golf with Grant this year, but he doesn't half talk some utter shite. So every week, <laughs> Grant comes out, and we call him Grant. We call him Grant. Let, 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 the, let, let's preface this by saying that we love you, Grant. Grant. The Grant um, for and, Red uh, October. This, this, this is done. Done in the. In, in the nicest possible way. But Jesus Christ, Grant, do you talk an awful lot of shit? He lo- he loves the drama. Don't even don't even pepper him. Don't even season him up by saying, Oh, we love you. He fucking loves the spice, man. <laughs> he's, a, he's a big dirty steak and he wants fun straight in the frying pan of drama. He does not care. Right? So Grunt's take of the week. Every week the three of us are going to pick one of Grunt's takes and bring it to the table and decide what Grunt's worst take of the week was. So Rob, did you make one? Did you make a note? I've made it. I've written it down. I'm going to read it word for word. I've been I've been reading through okay, this every that's, night. That's so what I'm here for. I want word for word readings of Grunt's shite tapes. You ready? Go, for it, Rob. Go. You guys have got it wrong. <laughs> you, that's you, standard for every every single minute. <laughs> you want your handicap to be a badge of honour about how low you can go. That's not the point of the handicap system. Come on, Grant. Tell us what the point is of the handicap system. I cannot understand that. I cannot understand it. The more I read it, the more wrong it is. I don't. So, what is the point of the handicap system then? That's a strong, strong contender. Okay, Crawford, have you got one there? It's going to be. It's going to take a bit of beating, but have you got one? I do. Yeah. Go for so it. The, the, the other day. <laughs> Alan poses a hypothetical question to the group and says, "Okay, you win five grand." Oh, this is mine as well. I'll let you do it, Crawford. But this is one million percent mine. He says, "I can't even say it." I'm laughing so much. So th- this he says, just to give to give win, context, this happened in the Scottish annex. So this was a Scottish chat, and Alan said he was going to try and prompt some decent chat here, a little bit of uh, content to get us through the day. So I'll pose Alan's question and you can give Grant's answer, okay? So Alan's question was, you've just been given five grand. You can only spend that five grand on golf stuff. It can be trips, it can be equipment, it can be clothes, it can be lessons. What sort of golf stuff would you get for that five grand? Crawford, what did the grunter say? He said, I I think I just, (laughs) I think I just buy a new kitchen and and some dance shoes for for the girls. He's a realist. He's an he's a complete realist. He says uh, the kitchen's needing doing up <laughs> and the girls could use some more dance shoes. So, so he's he spent very it noble, very noble of you, He was one step away for putting it in a, exercise. He was one step away for putting it in a fucking iser, right? That that's what sort of level we were at there, but <laughs> I was I was I was gone. Financial advisors we probably would have done. <laughs> I was gone. 
So I don't know. I'm not even. I'm not even going to provide one because those were the two best ones, um, and those were grunts. <laughs> the weeks, and they made me laugh a lot. And I hope Grant, you take this in the right way. But uh, that was my favourite segment so far. There you go, <coughs> Grunt Watch. Grunt Watch. But I'm a shy man. Do you want some? So I got a message from another flocker, a flocker by the name of Aaron St. Pierre, and he listened uh, last week and he heard us making fun of him because of, if you listened, you'll know about the gift that went around of him being caught on camera at the open with his face full of a big uh, shiny bag of McCoys and a wee Tesco bag dangling off his wee pink belly. So he messaged me and said, you know, there's a lot of flockers that have had other very embarrassing moments and he wanted to talk about one. Uh, and this one is uh, with reference to our man Josh Bres- Joshua Breslin, um, our brother Joshua, who was on a TV show when he was younger. He was That's on, right. Yeah. What was it like? It was with the world's strict, world strictest parents or something like that. World's strictest parents. And on this TV show, him and his overgelled hair got sent to India to spend some time um, in India with some strict parents from over there. And the Bremont, first, he was about 15 at the time, wasn't he? Like, he's just a kid on the TV show. He literally had a gallon of hair gel on his head, right? That's the only <laughs> thing I can remember from it, right? But it's the whole, like, the late noughties, so he's got the stonewashed flares on, like, the salmon jumper, the big collar on it, and the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm making this up in my head. I have no idea what he was wearing. But he was, <laughs> he was sent to India. The whole thing's available on YouTube. I've not watched the whole video yet, but there's one little clip that keeps doing the rounds, and he's just sitting in the back of a taxi, and they're doing it like it's like, uh, if you can imagine, come down with me when they're finished the meal and they're doing the rating, <laughs> and he's just sat in the back of the taxi, and he just turns to the camera and goes... Everybody's so poor. <laughs> I thought the rest of Jaipur was quite poor. But this is... People are just living in, like, like two-metre square boxes and just rubble. I bought my camera. My camera would probably feed about... Sold it. Probably feed about 400 people for, like, about two days. It's, you know, <laughs> that... that and, and that right there is why he got got uh, accepted into the United Nations um, to work yeah. on there. <laughs> Some big new program. Some of his insights into the third world developing emerging nations. He just everyone's hates, so poor. He hates poor people. He absolutely <laughs> Joshua Breslin hates the poor. Stick that on one of your drops, Mark. Josh hates the poor. But <laughs> that was one thing, and I don't know where Mark's going to drop this into the podcast, but that was the one request I had to bring this up. So wherever this has ended up see, in the what's... podcast, Aaron, that was for you. Just one quick thing about Josh. So he played with me at Cleve yesterday. He'd never been there before. And um, the weather was horrendous. Like you, everyone hit, like you hit a, a good drive. And by the time it hit the ground, everyone's drive was going backwards. Like it was so bad. Um, and then it started to rain as well at one point. And uh, we're like getting toward the end of the thing. And Josh turned around to me with a massive smile on his face. And he says, this is one of the best days of golf I've ever had. And I don't know anybody else who would have even come out in this. They would have just said, there's no way I'm going out on that course on the top of a mountain in that wind and that rain. And we all went out with him and he said it was the best they'd ever had. And it kind of reminded me that that kind of is more than anything else what the flock is about. It's about finding a bunch of people who will go out onto the mountain with you in the wind and the rain and end up having the best time you've ever had. And no poor people as well. 
Yeah, no poor people. Go. I mean, poor people are kind of allowed to play golf. It says so in the, if Jared's Cross. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> in, in the, the, uh, the, uh, the club rules. <laughs> but you're quite right, Crawford, and I'm glad you took that from me making fun of Josh for hating the poor to that quite nice, quite sentimental moment. So um, that's a lovely little segment. We're, we're professionals, Gary. We're professionals. That was very professionally done. Um, I don't, I don't, wear, I don't wear underwear either. So... We're going to, before we wrap up, have a little look at a new segment, and they're all new, obviously, because this is episode two. Cad, can you talk us through the president's schedule for the coming <laughs> week? Because so, now I'm the president because I'm no longer the captain. Is that what? <laughs> no, that, we're going to save that for another episode because that's pretty emotional for you, I'm sure. But as <laughs> as the pres as the president, what are you up to this week? Because you obviously have uh, a full a full well, calendar. Well, I, I just I just played Saunton West, Royal North Devon, Saunton East, and then yesterday I was at Cleve with the boys in the Hurricane, uh, having the crack. And today I'm having a well earned rest. And then on Friday of this week I shall be playing with Tom, who's a flock member at his club, the lovely Beaverbrook, uh, in um, just near Leatherhead in Surrey. Um, very Love fancy. It. Very fancy. They have caddies and white overalls. I'm looking forward to that. Going to get some pictures. And then next week is the Chiltern Classic, isn't it, Rob? We were going there as well. Basically, Sam has got organised a little little competition for us at the lovely Ashridge in um, in Hertfordshire. Supposed to be the best course in Hertfordshire. And although I live in Hertfordshire, I have never played there, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, it's called the Chiltern Classic because. Everybody has to play with some kind of old-fashioned blade or uh, um, or a person in wood. So Sam's bringing, he's got a bunch of them, he's bringing a bunch of his collection along. So they have like 20 clubs there so we can all have a swing with one. So I'm going to borrow one of him uh, and give it a go. It's all, all for fun, not really too serious. But um, that should be one. Is that next Wednesday, I think? It yep. is, yeah. <laughs> I am attending as well. So that's my schedule. And then, uh, then the week after, we've got... Uh, Actually, you know what? That that's that's Astrid's next week, and then I think a couple of days later I might be playing Newmarket with um uh, with a couple of the flockers as well. Haven't been there yet. So three rounds coming up. Quiet week. Yeah, just a quiet. Yeah, it's one, a yeah. quiet week, Gary, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm going to a pumpkin patch on Saturday. Is that that's all I've got? I'm going to pick no pumpkins with my child and spend time with my family, Crawford, and pick. What's, what's that? What's what's that? Fat, fat, what? Fat, fam, family? What? Pick some fucking pumpkins. Uh, don't think there's any golf. I think my next round of golf might well be the trip that a bunch of the flockers have got organised up to Muirfield. Uh, the men whose name we slagged to make our name, um, the Royal and Ancient Academy of Honourable Golfers or whatever it is. Uh, so we're up at Muirfield in a couple of weeks, but I think that might be me until then. I think we are full lockdown. I think we're chilling out and. Uh, I think that we up here don't have the resources that you've got down there, Crawford, my friend. It's not about resources, it's about connections and networks. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think I invented a a society with a thousand members around the world? You should be on that fucking bankers podcast, mate. That's where you should be. (laughs) Talk like that. You know one of us. (laughs) Says the man playing Muirfield in a couple of weeks. I know, by the way, I know. Resting on my laurels there. <laughs> Most important thing, Gary, is are you going to be wearing beach shorts, ripped jeans and a hoodie when you get to Muirfield? I'll wear whatever the fuck I want to wear and they'll like it. Okay. <laughs> to be honest with you, you're, you're a big fucker, so they probably will and all. I know, no. I will I will respect I, the laws and rules of the game uh, and I'll wear a polo shirt with a collar and a disgracefully horrible design on it that they can't knock me back for. 
Speaking of such royal elegance, I think a shout out has to go to Pete Champin, the current Highlander, who has been um, taking his name very much to heart and he's been showing up recently wearing some spectacular plus fours. Is that fancy dress or is he doing that for real? No, he's doing it for real. He looks great. And there's garters and everything. And I tell you, he's got a real kind of Ben Hogan-esque swing. And when you see him in, in silhouette and profile, sat on, on the top of a hill with his big follow-through wearing the plus fours, he's a sight to behold. Standing there with Justin Timberlake's trousers on his driver. <laughs> Representing the plus fours. <laughs> no, nah, nothing but respect for that. Right, hopefully this will be it because I'm gagging for a beer. And there you have it. Another week in the bag, another episode down. We do hope you enjoyed it. As always, more than welcome to take on board any positive feedback. Keep your criticism to yourself, to be honest with you. But uh, any feedback, any ideas, what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy, do let us know and we'll try and take that into consideration as we crack on over the next couple of weeks. Next week, we're actually going to pose a question to you, you bunch of mother flockers. We're going to be asking you something about the Masters. Don't know what it is yet. We'll work it out over the week. But we want your input and we'll read out some of the best replies on air. Uh, sound like a radio DJ there. Quite enjoyed that. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, really hope you enjoyed that. That was a good conversation again. Plenty of good stuff in there. Next week, we'll have some stuff about the Masters. We'll maybe talk about Muirfield. We'll be looking back at the week that was, looking forward to the week ahead, bringing back Flock Talk, bringing back Flocker's Top 5. And God, please, God, give us some big, stinky, hoaxing takes from Grant so we can bring back Grant's bad take of the week. But other than that, that about covers it. I wonder how many people are still listening just now. I could I could literally say anything just now. Because do you get that way? See, when you're listening to a podcast and it gets to like the last 30 seconds, you just automatically tune out anyway because you reckon it'll be like advertising or something. Um, I could say anything I want here. I've never played golf in England before and I don't know half the courses that you all talk about all the time, even though I pretend that I do. So there's that. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Sanjeev, you know, on his own back, kind of took me under his wing and really showed me that, you know, life is what you make it.